it's not like I've not had a relationship, uh, but I have not seen Butch be as free in the spirit over 40 years of my life until the last year or so. And he's just began to flow in the spirit and allow the Holy Spirit uh, to use him and to speak through him. And that's why we, the Holy Spirit led for Butch and Carol to be part of our deacon board. Uh, and we try to listen to the Holy Spirit in those meetings, and we have a freedom here. Uh, we're all at different junctions in our journey, and we see things and understand things differently. So as you uh, feel a tug or a nudge of uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, just kind of respond and let Him lead you. And I believe that you will uh, um, just get a sense of uh, joy in doing that and to... Um, Butch's point, I believe that you will understand a little uh, clearer some of the things that he was speaking about when it comes to healing uh, as sons and what you already possess and what you can do, and then we will pray uh, with each one at the end that desires uh, that prayer uh, for an open mind. So uh, <clears throat> we are beginning a new series this morning, and if would, would you stand with your, me just a second, stand to your feet for just a second. I want us to declare something before I actually get into the message. Um, Holy Spirit gave me a word. He actually gave me three words downstairs in prayer this morning that I didn't have. And Frank was laughing at me because I wrote them down as he began to speak. And I want to share them with you. And then I want you to declare this with me this morning. Um, we need to hear, we need to receive, and we need to apply. So would you speak these words of declaration with me? Holy Ghost, open my ears to hear. Open my heart to receive. And give me wisdom to apply. The gift that is being released this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Father, I declare... And agree with these, uh, your sons and your daughters watching online and in the building, that we have open minds and ears to hear your word. We have open hearts and open minds to receive your word, and that you are giving us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to apply that word to our lives and to our situations. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. so be it. You declared it. You may be seated. In Jesus' name. Open up your Bibles if you would. I hope you brought a copy of it, either digitally or hard copy, that you can read along with us this morning. We do provide that with you for you on the screens. But I have found in life that when I open up either my app on my phone or my Bible to read along, that it brings back to my memory sometimes a little bit easier where that was found. Uh, and I can recall it, and I just don't have, you know, some of you have photographic memories, and you can look at the screen, and you can remember it. Uh, this, I have to look, I have to dig, I have to see it, write it, read it, and repeat it uh, to be able to get it. But John, the first chapter, John recreates uh, the creation scenario from Genesis. Genesis begins with, in the beginning, uh, and then John 1.1 starts with, in the beginning. Uh, there was darkness. We were in darkness. There was a light that came forth in Genesis 1. In John 1, there is a light who comes forth into our darkness. His name is Jesus. In the beginning was chaos. 
And the Holy Spirit hovered over that chaos. In John 1, 1, the world was in chaos. God sent Jesus, his son, through the Holy Spirit, conceived by the Holy Spirit. He hovered over that chaos. So it's just a recreation or a reimagining of that creation story that John chooses rather than to go as Matthew, Mark, and Luke did with the birth of Christ and then kind of a a step-by-step picture of his life as Matthew, Mark, and Luke did. John takes a completely different approach. And in that first chapter when he is reimagining the creation, we get to verse 11 and 12 of John. Uh, If you are there, say amen because I'm not quite there. And... um, I thought I had it marked, and then I took my marker out when we were praying. John 1, verse 11 says, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. His own here would have been the Jewish people, those born in Israel, because he was born of Jewish nationality. And he came to those people first who were the apple of God's eye in the Old Covenant, And they did not receive him. Verse 12. Now we can see a picture of you and I. But as many as received him, to them gave he power. Somebody say power. Power. That word power there is authority. Or he gave us the right to become the sons of God. Somebody say I'm a son of God. Even to them that believe on his name. So to as many as would receive him, Jew and Gentile alike, he gave the authority, the right, and the power for them to become the sons of God, even to them who would believe on his name. It didn't say would believe on any doctrine. It didn't say that would believe on the rules that were written on rocks. I can't get anybody to acknowledge that this morning. We don't follow rules on rocks. We follow an indwelling Holy Spirit that guides us. He leads us. I I will make this statement that I've made before. You can adhere to every commandment that was handed down and written on stones, but if you have not believed, you do not reap the benefits of believing. It makes you a good moral person. And we need some good moral people in this world, do we not? But we need to recognize that we are sons. And as sons, I don't need to follow a written code. Matter of fact, Colossians says that that written code that had accusations against me has already been nailed to the cross. And if it's been nailed to the cross, what happened at the cross? A death occurred. And so all of those written codes died and were fulfilled in Jesus so that now as sons... You have an indwelling Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Galatians, the fourth chapter, as we begin this series of sonship. And this morning, from the text of Galatians 4, 7, um, we will unveil what we are going to talk about the next two Sundays, and then possibly the third Sunday will be from a different text. Verse 7, chapter 4 of Galatians, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, Uh, Frank had no idea what scripture text I was using this morning. And he sang through the Holy Spirit's leadership the song, We Are No Longer Slaves. And in Galatians 4 verse 7, Paul tells the church at Galatia that you are no longer slaves but sons. 
And if sons, then heirs of God through Christ. Can, may I read this same portion of scripture to you from the Mirror Bible? I love the Mirror Bible. It's sitting right there. Lisa got me a written copy of it, and I've been enjoying it. Verse 7, chapter 4, Galatians. Can you see how foolish it would be for a son to continue to live his life in a slave mentality? Would you underline, make a note if you're taking notes? How foolish would it be for us who are sons to try to live, continue to live in a mentality of slavery? Now, I'm sorry that I have to uh, give a disclosure uh, because there is so much hatred out there in our world and there's so much bigotry and there's all types of confusion that we have to clarify that when we talk about slavery, we're using it in the term that was used in that time period and we are not degrading, dehumanizing, or demoralizing any ethnic group when we use that terminology. Isn't that sad that we have to say that? in this culture today, but there's those out there watching that need to hear that we are clarifying that we are not talking about slaves in an ethnic sense. We are talking about every single human being that was in bondage to a law contract that gave sin its power. And we were dead in those sins and trespasses but thank God we have seen the light, we believed, and we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son, where we are sons in the kingdom of God. So to me, what I grab from the mirror that helps me understand Galatians 4-7 is that there is a mentality, there's a mindset of sonship. This morning, let's look at what does that mindset of sonship look like. The rest of verse 7 we will look at next week where it says, Your sonship qualifies you to immediately participate in all the wealth of God's inheritance, which is yours in Christ Jesus. When is it available to you? Immediately. Next week, we'll look at what you have access to. This morning, we're going to look at what the mindset of sonship should be. So, point number one, sonship is a mindset. You either believe you are a son and you grab the mindset of being a son or you will continue foolishly. Isn't it amazing that Paul starts out Galatians by saying, oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you to go back again to something that was never assigned to you in the first place and try to follow a law code when you have been adopted as sons into the kingdom of God. So what is this mindset? We need to learn to think like sons, talk like sons, act like sons. Can we just sit right there for just a second because there's a lot of people that don't think that sonship affects our behavior. Sonship affects our behavior. It should, in fact, affect the way that we act, react, and interact. Okay, we act a certain way as children of God. We should react certain ways as, as sons of God. And we should interact in a certain way. There are a lot of things that the Gospels and the Epistles tell us as sons that we ought to be doing. Let me stop and say, sonship is not for sale. 
I mean, how did Jesus explain it to Nicodemus in John the third chapter? He said, you must be born again. So sonship is something that we are born into. When I was born out of a natural birth, I immediately had a father, a mother, and siblings that were to come that then I was a part of a family that I was born into. When you are born again, you are born into the kingdom of God. Look around you. You have brothers and sisters, and this is just a very small portion of your brothers and sisters that you have. You have a good, good father that you sang about this morning. And so sonship is not for sale. It's not something that you earn, buy, or purchase. It is something that you are born into. That's good preaching. So, think like, act like, talk like, behave like, and walk like, sons. Let's go to Romans, the 8th chapter, and from there we're going to launch into what should, we, what should this mindset of sons look like. Romans, the 8th chapter. We will read verses 14 through 17. The mature children, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. You may be familiar with this by it saying to you that those who are led by the Spirit are indeed the sons of God. Verse 15, And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty or the spirit of slavery, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Can I read that again? Would you repeat those things that we said in the beginning right now to, in your own mind? Lord, give me ears to hear, a heart to receive, and wisdom to apply. That you did not receive the spirit of religious duty or slavery, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. If I have dealt with anything in 21 years of ministry, I have dealt with individuals who felt like they never measured up and they were never good enough. And all of that was based on men's standard. Because you already measure up as a son of God. He's well pleased with you, just as he was well pleased with his son. So you don't have to worry about being good enough. He sees you as good enough. So we settle that issue right now. We can move on because we don't have a religious duty to perform. But you have received, say I have received, the spirit of full acceptance. This Greek phrase means that you are completely a son. You have received the spirit of sonship. Enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within you, your spirit joins in him with him saying the words of tender affection. Abba, Father, or beloved Father, Daddy, Papa. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. Verse 17, and since we are his true children, we qualify. I have to have, to have you say these things this morning to get you to understand and believe them. I am qualified. Say that. I am qualified. God says I'm qualified. What am I qualified to do? To share in all the treasures. For indeed we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We're joint heirs. 
So as he is, so are we in this world. Slaves live by fate. Whatever their fate is, wherever the chips may fall, they live by fate. Sons live by faith. Orphans carry with them a mindset of orphans and the behavior of orphans. Most of the time, when you're dealing with orphan mindsets, it's very selfish. I have to look out for me. I have to make sure that I earn my way. I have doesn't matter what happens to you, but I've got to get what belongs to me. And the only way that I'm going to get it is if I work and earn and perform for it. That is not the mindset that God wants for his sons. And may I qualify that statement by saying, men, you are the bride. And women, you are sons. Because, you see, in the spirit realm, there's no slave nor free. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. So in spiritual terms, we are sons and the bride. Now, listen to this. Jesus came to a world full of displaced orphans to reveal what they needed. What did they need? The Father. So if we look at the Old Testament and we go through the Old Testament, we never see God as Father. That's why we see a lot of names like Jehovah Jireh, Healer. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah, all of these things that we see as names of God that display His character to His people, but it is not until the Son, the only begotten Son of God, that shows up on the planet full of displaced orphans that begins to reveal to us what we actually really needed, and that is a Father. The Father. Our God who loves us. And then Jesus showed us living as a literal human son, he was both son of man and son of God, and as a son of man, he showed us how to live as sons of God in the earth, revealing true sonship to us. So what should that mindset look like? Number one, it is a reliance on the love and the goodness of God. We'll stay in Romans, the 8th chapter, for the rest of the message. You can take these verses that I'll give you reference to, and you can study them out. You can glean from them and allow Holy Spirit to speak to you. But Romans 8, 37 and 39 says that I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, neither the things present nor the things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. As sons, our mindset should be that we have a reliance on and a dependence upon the love and the goodness of God and nothing can separate us from that love. Man, that's good. See, because what happens in the mindset of an orphan is they play the he loves me, he loves me not game. When things are going good, he loves me, but when things are going bad, he doesn't love me. That's a, uh, if, if you were a foster child, maybe you were in a home, and when you were in that home, you felt love, but something happened and you were taken from that home. You were displaced, and so now nobody loves me again. And so you go back and forth in this, he loves me, he loves me not. Maybe you were in a romantic relationship, and something happened, and the waters were turbulent, and you begin to feel that, well, maybe she loves me, maybe she doesn't, and you picked one of those 
flowers and you pulled out the leaves and you said, she loves me, she loves me not, she loves me, she loves me not. And if the last leaf was, she loves me not, then you didn't have any love or acceptance. And orphan and slave mentality in the kingdom of God is not acceptable because when times are good or times are bad, God loves you. Nothing can separate you from that. Our mindset should be one of confidence. We live confidently in who we are. Romans the 8th chapter says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children or sons of God. Is this helping anybody? I got stirred up studying for it. Reminding me all of what my mindset should be because God has given me a sound mind and that mindset is sonship. We should be able to rest in God's identity for us. These are the things that God has said about us. These aren't the things that I'm trying to make up to be a fairy tale for you to help you see a good path for your life. This is what your Father in heaven has declared over you that should give you love, acceptance, and confidence. Orphans don't know who they are, so they often attempt to be someone that they're not. Then they start comparing themselves to other people. And Lisa has said it many times that comparison will rob you of what Frank spoke of this morning, your joy. It's a trap. You're a son. Stop hiding in the insecurities of orphanship. You are a son or a daughter, however you want to look at it. This next one is really where I kind of got excited. Um... Our mentality, our mindset as sons should be the big God mindset. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for me, who in the world can be against me? Or I would even say, what in the world can be against me? Because I not only have a good, good father, I have a big, big father. And he has a big, big house with lots and lots of room (laughs) where we can play football. You remember that song? Matthew's back there doing the hand motions. We sing that in youth group. The orphan mindset serves a very little God. And their choices show that they serve a very little God. They live from a posture of survival where they just are barely getting by and never really experiencing success. And their view of God is boxed in and very limited. But when you are a son and you serve a good... Have you ever been on the playground and played the game, my father, my daddy's better than your daddy? I remember a, a joke that I told years ago. It's there's three little boys on the playground and they're talking about their dads. This one little boy says, my dad writes a few words on a piece of paper, he calls it a poem, and he gets $5. Other kid laughs. He said, my dad's bigger than that. My dad writes a few words on several sheets of paper. He calls it a song, and he gets hundreds of dollars. Third little kid jumps down off of the swing. He says, I got you all beat. My dad's better than your dad. He writes a few words on some paper, and it takes eight men to collect all the money when he's done. (laughs) He was a preacher. Sons reveal their big God mindset in their thinking, in their speaking, and in their actions. If you don't believe you serve a big God, your actions will show that you don't think you serve a very big God. Your your choices will say 
that you don't serve a very big God. Now, can I stop here for just a second and get off course just a little bit, but not much, and address what Butch was talking about? If you would turn to Matthew, the 10th chapter, it's not going to be on the screen and it's not in my notes, but in Matthew, the 10th chapter, Jesus sends out the 12. And when Jesus sends out the 12, who he is identifying and trying to uh, get them to understand the mindset of sonship, he does not tell them to pray for the sick. He tells them to heal the sick. If Jesus, the Son of God, as man on the planet, you will watch his life, never prayed for the sick. I'm just giving you an observation. As a son in relationship with his father, he declared healing over those who were sick. He didn't pray and ask his father because as a son, he knew he had a big, big God and as a big, big God, he went around declaring it. He didn't say to pray that demons would be cast out. He said, cast out demons. Cleanse the lepers and raise the dead. As sons, you don't have to ask your father to do things that he's already given you the power to do as sons. Now, I, I understand. I'm a dad. I have some resources that if those resources are freed up and my children would come to me and ask, I would do everything that I could for them. But our Father has unlimited supply, unlimited resources, and He does desire you to ask, but what He is wanting you to ask for is some of the things that you have to begin to realize you already have. It's in you to heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. I believe, as a son, I do more decreeing and declaring than I do begging and pleading. Sons reveal their big God mindset and realize that they are not limited by circumstances. And they find a breakthrough. They never quit and they position themselves in a posture of solution in impossible situations. Wow. Here's another mindset we should have. Sons waste little energy on listening to accusations. Again, the insecurities of the orphan heart are vulnerable to feeling condemned and accused. When you don't know whose you are and who your father is, then you will begin to give energy and waste time listening to accusations that come from the enemy. And when that happens, you feel condemned. Then you begin to feel vulnerable and accused and then shameful. And then it may not be that voice of the enemy. It may be a voice of a friend, a family member, a minister, that when those words that come out, if, if my words to you don't build up the sun in you, but they start condemning the sin that's in you, you will be so sin conscious that you will feel guilty, shamed, and afraid. And you'll have a mentality of slavery that will put that spirit of fear back on you to perform, to earn acceptance and love and security from your father. So we should, sons waste very little time. We can't fall back into those insecurities. 
Whether it's in their own thoughts or the words of others, they are deeply influenced by the accusations of their adversary and others. We turn deaf ears to the spirit of accusation. Can I tell you one of the ways that the spirit of accusation will attack you? It will attack you in your activity. You've not read enough. You've not prayed enough. You've not attended church enough. You've not given enough. You've not fasted enough. You've not... All of which things we ought to do, but it's not a condemning father that would condemn you over those things. The father will bring a loving correction to you and remind you that as a son, you ought to be acting a certain way. But even if I stand up here and begin to put demands on you from the law and put uh, uh, attached percentages and uh, amounts to it, then I'm going to put you under condemnation and shame if you're not measuring up to those and you feel accused. So that's why there's freedom just to listen to the Father to draw you into the way that you should act as a son. Sons should be confident in who they are so they give little time to haters. And they waste little energy in overthinking the critiques of others. Now, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that I, I don't receive mentorship. I don't receive correction and discipline from those that are wiser than I, that I have given uh, access to my life so that they can mentor me. But I'm talking about everybody out there that wants to critique everything you do and try to keep you under their thumb of control. Just give very little energy and don't waste your time in those things because sons are confident in who they are. Sons surpass common expectations. The, our mindset as sons should be that we surpass common expectations. Again, I'm going to use my wife's term, terminology. We should be second-mile Christians. What is expected of us is to go one mile but sons will go too. What is expected and required of you in the workplace, if you're only doing what's required, uh, I was taught uh, if you see a piece of paper on the ground, pick it up. Well, that's, uh, that's not in my job description. Okay, then you have an orphan mentality. We exceed common expectations. Um, that is not elevating the law. That's not going beyond and trying to do uh, more performance. It's just as sons, we want to do everything in excellence. Not perfection. We, we, we will fail, uh, but we do it in excellence. If the praise team is practicing and somebody hits a Z when they should have hit a G... That's not perfection, but if it's done in excellence with an attitude of gratitude and a heart to bring and draw others into worship, then we are we're acting as sons. That's good. Orphans or those with a slave mentality can be spotted quickly because they only do what is required of them and nothing more. They only see themselves as someone getting a paycheck. In a lot of cases, this is what has helped create a highly entitled society. 
a high, we have entitled individuals all over the place. My opinion, and it's just that, my opinion, is we have an entitled generation because they have an orphan mindset and not a sonship mindset. Sons walk in excellence and always go above. Their hearts are filled with the love for the kingdom and they desire to bless others. Lastly, sons carry an unshakable hope for the future. Romans 8, 28 says, For we know that in all things he's working together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Sonship is formed in how we handle disappointment and discouragement. Let's just sit down and relax right there for just a second. Uh, Because this is what I believe is the security of the believer. And when we don't have security as believers and we're trying to work and perform to earn something after we die in the afterlife and our concentration is on where I'm going to go when I die and so if I don't do these things here then I won't go where I want to go when I die. So there is a confident hope in the sons of God that is unshakable about their future that brings security that if you have believed... You've been given the right to be called the sons of God and heaven is automatically your home that is settled. I'm secure in where I'm going when I die. But I want to know how I can live right now, the best life now, with excellence in the kingdom of God, blessing others, going the second mile, being confident, knowing that I'm loved and accepted and having an unshakable hope in the future. This is one of the most impressive qualities of a son. I lived 37 years of my life as a Christian very insecure. And I don't blame that on anyone. I I give the response to that of the reason that I was very insecure is because of what I put on myself from the way that I processed information that was being given to me. And didn't have the confidence. See... At one point in my life, I believe that if you came from your seat to the altar and you accepted Christ, by the time you got back to your seat, if you didn't accept God, you had already backslidden, so it wasn't good enough from the... And then you would backslide three or four times through the week from the things that you thought about. You didn't even have to act on it. If you just thought something, you're, you're backslidden. So I had to come to church on Sunday to get born again again. I got born again again so many times again and again. And then I got baptized so many times that I was a prune, shriveled up raisin from being in the water so much. I was insecure. I had an orphan mindset. I had a slave mentality that I had to work to please God. And if I didn't do the things that I was taught that I had to do, not, not to mention the things that I shouldn't do. You know, if I got all the shouldn'ts out of the way, then there was a lot of things that I ought to be doing, reading, praying, fatness, uh, fasting. I fattened up pretty good. (laughs) Fasting. Then I was backslidden. Oh, you're not on fire for God the way that you ought to be. If you were sitting on the front and now you're sitting in the back, you're not on fire for God. All of those things got thrown out the window for me about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. I became secure as a son 
and that there's a lot of accusing voices that would say, want to say a lot of things, but I can't waste my energy listening to the critics and the haters don't, don't drink the haterade, <laughs> you know. I have a father that speaks it to my, into my life that guarantees me that his hand is upon me, that, he's loved, that he loves me, that he has accepted me, and that when his spirit bears witness in my spirit that I am a son of God, that rises up in me and I grow through the hard times. See, orphans don't grow through the hard times. They complain. They murmur and wish they had certain things, but sons grow in hardship. Romans 8.25 says, But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy of being compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. So can I tell you that that glory has been revealed to us? Through the Son, by the Holy Spirit, on the day of Pentecost when He poured it out. And He said, this is that which Joel prophesied about. And it's being continued to be poured out. If you guys will come. Sons possess a passion that causes them to continue in the pursuit. I have goals, dreams, and aspirations. All of my goals, dreams, and aspirations are for this life. And I believe they're God dreams. I believe they're God goals. I believe that they're aspirations that God wants for us in this life. But as a son, I don't quit. I have a passion to pursue those things as God works them out in my life. I'm not trying to earn them from Him. He's given me the dream and it's mine. There's just certain things that I have to wait for. I, in this particular scripture, that what Paul was talking about, his sufferings, well, he was in prison, thrice beaten within an inch of his life, thrice imprisoned or shipwrecked. Uh, you know, all of the things, those were the sufferings that Paul was talking about. Um, we don't know what those sufferings are, anything about those sufferings that Paul discussed there. Our sufferings is if we uh, went through the drive-thru and Chick-fil-A didn't have... Uh, their, hot, their sandwiches ready for us, you know. Our suffering is Chick-fil-A's not open on Sundays. That's a persecution. Sons are not limited or limited by or condemned by their weaknesses. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. This whole chapter of Romans, the eighth chapter that we've been sharing from today, begins like this Sons, there's no condemnation for you because you are in Christ Jesus. Even in your weakness, even in your faults, your failures, and your mistakes, our mindset as sons should be that there is now, therefore, now no condemnation, shame, or guilt. So we are not like we are not um, limited by our weaknesses. As you stand to your feet, and I'll let you get to your feet, and I want to give you this last thought this morning, and we'll close this service out with prayer. The ultimate plan of God is to invade the kingdom of this earth 
with the kingdom of heaven. Jesus even taught us to pray. How did he begin that prayer? As a son. He began that prayer as a son. Our Father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In and on and through the earth as it is in heaven. The ultimate plan of God is for the kingdom of heaven to invade the kingdom of the earth. How is that going to be accomplished? Through sons. Romans 8 verse 19. The Passion Translation says the entire universe is standing on tiptoe with outstretched neck yearning to see the unveiling or the manifestation of God's glorious sons and daughters. The ultimate plan of God in the earth will be carried out through you. But you have to have the mindset of a son and not a slave. We're no longer slaves. We're sons. I am a child of God. Butch asked for prayer. And if anyone would like to join Butch as you come come on to the front here, Butch, if you would like to join Butch, I would invite you to come and allow me to declare, declare and decree over you as sons of God that the gift of healing already dwells within you. And to release that authority and that power in your life to begin to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and cleanse the lepers. That, that scripture in Matthew 10, 10 goes on to say, Freely you have received, freely give. Does anyone else want to join Butch? Frank, would you sing and play for just a second and we'll wait and we will pray and dismiss this service.